All right. Well, so glad y'all are here tonight. Thanks for showing up for Five Year Family. I'm so glad you're here. This is a, a ministry that resources marriage and parenting. You'll see in our East and West lobby, we have Five Year Family Resource Center. So you'll see this logo and we often have information you can get from there uh, that might be helpful in your parenting or marriage. Uh, we also have uh, a website. It's bellevue.org forward slash family and all of our Resources are housed on that web page as well. So, so glad you're here. So you're in a series. We're in week two of a seven-week series called We Have a Plan. And that's what we're hitting on tonight. Tonight we're talking about uh, one aspect of planning. And um, before we start, I'm going to jump in and pray for us, and we'll jump right in. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for each person who's here. And I thank you especially that you've given each of us in this room the privilege of being a parent. Lord, your word says that children are a gift from the Lord, and I thank you that you've given us the opportunity to steward that gift. So tonight, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Uh, would you please take over the teaching? Would your presence please enter this room? And we just pray, Lord, that you would just help move us towards more attentional in our parenting and our passing on our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we'll start out with a quiz and a question. Um, what is this a picture of? A greenhouse, exactly right. So has anyone here ever worked in or around a greenhouse? A summer job, part-time job, anybody? All right, Gene, you have? All right, thank you. So, Gene, what does a greenhouse do? Just in a simple form, what's it do? It allows you to have your plants in there and then get sunlight. And you can, it helps grow flowers in the off-season. Okay, all right. So helps grow things. Uh, things grow better in a greenhouse. Uh, does that sound right? If I have a greenhouse, I'm assuming it's going to grow better and quicker and healthier. Uh, so I had to kind of look this up myself to get a, an official definition. Genes is better than what I found. But what I found was environment in which plants can grow better uh, in controlled conditions despite harsh outside climate. That's what a kind of a sense of a greenhouse does. Now, here's another question. How about this? What's this a picture of on the left-hand side? house. That's right. It's a house. So I'm going to put a, our house in a greenhouse. All right. So that's what it's a picture of. Uh, so here's the question. What do these two have in common? Let's just talk about it just for a second. What do these two have in common? A greenhouse and our house. Okay. Our house in a greenhouse. Both are structures to protect, right? Okay. Provide protection. We'll go with that. What else do they do? They grow things. Okay. They both grow things. All right. Hopefully it's not just mildew and mold in the kitchen or in the bathroom, right? Um, what are some things that... What, so, so this grows plants. Inside here, though, we get to grow people. That's exactly right. No doubt about it. So it's protection, and both of these, our house and the greenhouse, grows things. That's exactly right. I love it. Um, these are both places where living things can flourish. Can we agree on that? Living things can flourish in both of those environments. Now, I have a question. Is there, is there still a lot of work and care and resources that has to happen inside of here for these to grow? There's still a lot of work. It's not just build the thing and they're going to grow. There's still a lot of work, right? Over here, there's still a lot of work and care and resources to have, help our kids grow. It is still a lot, right? Uh, both of you ladies who stay home with the kids, it takes a lot of work, right? Uh, no doubt about it. Um, now, there's even like within this setting, there's even a stage of different levels they go through. Um, who would describe these two? How would you describe these two different pictures? This one is what? These are what? Yeah, seedlings, like baby plants, right? Baby plants. Um, now, this one's kind of hard to see, but it looks like the, the, this worker's got this one on a cart. The cart has wheels. What's it mean is about to happen with this guy, this, this plant? What's going to happen with this one? It's going off. Yeah, that's right. It's going out the door, uh, probably to be sold, which means in a similar fashion, okay, that could happen in our house, right? Um, we start with seedlings, the Lord gives us, right? Little babies we bring home to the hospital, and it's not too long until they've gone away to college, right? Um, they've grown inside the greenhouse, so to speak, of our homes, 
uh, under our nurture and care and, and guidance and, and prayer. And then at some point, they're going to launch out. We're going to put them on that cart like that picture had and launch them out the door. And that's how it's supposed to happen, right? So for us as parents, what an amazing opportunity that we have with our kids while they're home, while they're still in the home. Great opportunity for spiritual training to take place. Now, I want to share with you what researchers have found. Um, so researchers, researchers have found that there are some windows of opportunity where the spiritual training is, is prime, but it's different in how it's viewed by our children. Um, there's actually three, three different categories, so to speak, of a child's development that, that lines up well. So I'm going to Roll this out here and let you kind of fill in it on your paper if you would. Um, the first is this. I'm going to give you kind of an x-axis and a y-axis. Across the bottom axis, we're going to break these three into three different age groups. There's going to be zero to six-year-olds. There's going to be seven to 12-year-olds and 13 to 18-year-olds. Okay, there's three different groups that we're going to look at. Now, that's on the x-axis. Over on the y-axis, hard to read that. I apologize, but it says... How receptive your child is to your training. <laughs> so how receptive are they to your training and to your passing on of your faith uh, as they grow? Okay, so it's really important to know that as they grow, uh, their receptivity to your coaching, your teaching, your training uh, is going to change. Really important for us to get this and understand what this looks like. Now, before we fill in the, the magic line here of what this researchers have found, let's add a few more things to this. Let's look at this. Th these are called three different areas. This first one, zero to six, is known as the imprint period. Uh, if you want a mind picture or a mental picture, it would be of a mother goose with four little gooselings behind it just kind of following, you know, you ever seen that video, they walk across the street, they hop up on the curb, and she does, and all the little ones hop up on the curb too. Wherever you go, they go, they like your ideas, they like your opinions, they just want to play. Um, they line right up behind mom and dad, or mom or dad, and your beliefs, your values, whatever you want to do, they're in line with you. That's the imprint period, and oh, what a joy it is, okay, that age group. Um, but then these little guys go kind of big, big men on campus elementary school into the awkward middle school years. So a lot changes for them right here. And researchers call this the impression period. There's not that imprint, uh, like zero to six, but now it's more of that impression that you're making upon them. Um, still this idea that, 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 that they're listening to you and you're guiding them, you're right there with them. Um, but they may be asking more questions, not necessarily accepting of all of your opinions or ideas because they're going through some changes. Um, and, and middle school is a lot of change in middle school. Um, anybody have kids in this age range, seven to 12? All right, three, two. Yep, guys, you guys do too. Good deal. And this final one's the coaching period. This 13 to 18-year-old, um, they're approaching adulthood. They're forming their own opinions, their own values. They're listening to others. So obviously, things are really going to change as we walk through this. So before I show you the line, let me just give you a few more things to, to, to take note on or think about. During this really important early age, they are all ears. They are listening. Um, they want to know what dad and mom think. You know, what do you think? What would you do? You know, what, what, what are you doing? Help, can I help you? Can I be involved in it? Can I hammer daddy? You know, can I go with you? Can I help? Can I hold the leash and walk the dog? They're right there with you. Um, and they begin, because of that, to think like mom and dad think. And you might have seen this when you have little kids going to play at your house from other neighbors, other families, and you hear, you hear them say things that you know that their mom and dad probably said that because the mom and dad's got an imprint on their kid who's playing at your house. So in just incredibly precious period of time, zero to six years. Now, the researchers also found some things about this impression period, seven to 12-year-olds, still a highly impressionable age group, and so which is fantastic, still open to direction influence. They begin to ask deeper questions, and the big, deeper questions are formed around why, not just what. You know, why do we believe that? Well, why do you want to do that? Well, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to go to church? You know, we just want to go to church all the time. Why do I have to do my homework? Why do I have to be nice to neighbors? Why do all these things? Um, so this is what happens in this age group. Um, so still impressionable, but forming their own some thoughts and asking why, uh, that type of thing. Now, coaching is very different. Uh, the window is closing on, uh, on their receptivity uh, to our thoughts. 
they're strongly forming their own opinions and values. And if you want to know what that means, just ask kids in this age group to agree on where to go to dinner after church, okay? Um, back here, if dad said, hey, on the drive home, we're going to McDonald's. And the whole van would go, yay, McDonald's. Now with the older kids, hey, on the way home, we're going to stop at McAllister's and it's a fight. You know, and it's four different opinions of where we're going to stop and eat and why. So it's very different. Um, they begin to listen to others also uh, in this period, which as you and I know, uh, that can be a challenge for parents who are trying to instill, you know, faith in their kids. Now, the next slide shows this graph. And what, I, what I want to show you next is this line. So I want to make sure you capture this line and, and draw it in as well. It's very important that we get this line. So here's what the research shows on, your, on their receptivity. So zero to six, man, they are, they are up and to the right. You know, they are really, it's growing their receptivity to your, your thoughts, your beliefs, your values, your principles, your faith. They're all ears, zero to six years old. It's great. Um, seven to 12, it begins to peak, which is wonderful. So my youngest is 10 years old. He is right there. And I'm keenly aware of it, that he is right at this point um, of high, high, the, my highest chance to pour into him and him to receive it before it begins this downward slide is about right there. Um, in the room, uh, eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Who's got eight, nine, ten-year-old? Anybody got that age group? Yep. So they're right there. They're right there on. You know, you talk about, um, man, I... You know, get cheery-eyed thinking about when they go off to college, but also be thinking about this is a point, too, where, where research shows this is the highest point of receptivity is that 8, 9, 10-year-old age range. From there, you know, just think about what's going on in their life. What's happening in their life right in this zone, this, like, 10, 11, 12-year-old zone? What's happening right there for them? What is it? Puberty's happening. That's right. Um, they probably had to change schools. Okay, they're now probably at a different middle school campus, right? So whether you're public school or, or private school, generally you're going to change campuses and go, unless you're homeschooled, go into a different campus. So there's a lot of stress there and pressure there um, and also a lot of other voices in the locker room, in the hallway, that type, new teachers maybe they didn't have in the past. Um, so all these things happen and receptivity begins to go this way. Um, now, they say that nearly 70% of people who come to know the Lord come to know the Lord as children. So majority of our kids who come to know the Lord, the vast majority, it's going to happen in this group right in here. And that makes sense because they're most receptive to how we believe, what we value. So they're, they're taking on those same values. And it makes sense they'd follow in line with our faith. Here's the, here's the bad news for this group. The bad news for this group is at the point where they're needing them, where they, we've got the highest receptivity is generally when you're the most busy. So in this range is when they've started playing sports, doing outside activities after school, involved in all kinds of things, their homework's getting heavier loads, they're in middle school now, there's more going on, maybe in your life, maybe in your career, generally this might be people in their late 30s or mid-30s to late 40s, career is just bustling, you got a lot going on at home. So the time when the kids are most receptive to your passing of your faith is almost the same time when parents are busiest. So there's a conflict there, right? Um, and so we got to figure out what do we do about that? What do you do when they're, the most receptive, when they're most receptive and you're also the busiest. So as mothers and fathers, I want you to see this chart to realize, hey, if I've got a plan for my kids, I've got to realize, man, I've got a little zone here. And even if I am super busy, I've got to realize over the next couple of years, I've got to crank down some things so I can spend a lot of time being in the ear of my son or my daughter. So because of this, we've got to have a plan, right? We've got to have a plan. Um, I'm about to move past this. Any questions on this before I move past this or any comments? Okay, we can come back to it as we need to. Um, tonight, we're going to hit on, we have a plan for discipleship. How are we going to disciple our kids? I want to spend a minute at table talk if we could. I want you to answer these two questions at your tables. Um, what do you think when you hear the word discipleship? Just what comes to mind first. 
And second question is, have you been discipled, you personally, um, and how did it go? So if you take just a few minutes to your table and answer those two questions, we'll come back and get some feedback from you uh, and capture it on the board. Ready, set, go. All right, let's pull back together real quick. I'm dying to hear some of your answers. I cannot wait to hear what you wrote. And I'm going to capture, if you don't mind, I'm going to capture some things that you said at your tables because I'm, I'm interested in this. Um, so when you think about the word discipleship, um, what do you think of? Um, can we start back here with you ladies? Did y'all have something you wrote down? Discipline, okay. All right, so discipleship involves a discipline, right? And, and maybe it's a spiritual discipline, right? Um, all those are involved in it. Thank you, it's good. You guys up front? Uh, when it comes to discipleship, I mean, you generally have someone who's uh, got more experience than you do. Okay. Got it. And seeing those experiences, and, and you see how they react and can learn from that. I love it. Yeah. Walk through life with you. Um, they're, the more experienced leading, teaching, the less experienced. Okay. That's good. That's right. Thank you. Spiritual mentorship. Spiritual mentorship. Got it. I love it. That's right. Okay. Thank you. Gene, back there at your table. Mm-hmm. Very similar spiritual mentorship. Um, someone who w- walks life with you through your yeah. trials, and you know, uh, someone who speaks life into your life. I like it. Someone who walks with you. Someone who speaks life, right? Well, we need that, don't we? Got it. Good. Um, anything, Axel, Monica, y'all would add to that? Yep. Got it. Yep. Got it. Okay. Excellent. You know, I'm interested too. This is, uh, since for some folks, discipleship is a, a little bit of a scary topic. I mean, I don't know what, I'm, I wasn't discipled. I'm not sure what it looks like. I'm not sure how to define it. Uh, I hear of people who were discipled and I wish I was, that type of thing. Just to, across the room, um, could, if, you, if you were discipled, um, would you just tell me a little bit of, just raise, first, just raise, if you if you have been discipled, raise your hand. Okay, got it. So, Kyle, uh, good experience for you, discipleship. It was a good experience. Great, experience. great. Megan. Yes, very good. Okay, great experience. Doctor, how about you? Good experience. Yeah. Yep. Doctor C. Kind of. Kind of. How you spell it for me? H I E M E C I E M I E M. Got it. Yeah, got it. Good experience for you. Yeah. Good deal. Thank you. Who else? You're discipled. Yes. Tell me your first name. Kelvina. Kelvina. Okay. Good experience as well. Good deal. Who else? Anybody back at this table? You were. That's right. I know it. Tell me your first name. I'm sorry. That's right, Rachel. I'm so sorry. I knew that. I'm so sorry. Good experience for you, Rachel. Yeah. Yep. Anybody else at this table discipled? Nothing. You know, we had a question about this. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> we have to define discipleship. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you said pass on their wisdom, and in that case, I've had lots. Yes. So I've probably, I've probably been discipled many times over by my auntie. <laughs> <laughs> Some forced discipleship, right, from by your auntie. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, good and a good experience, Janelle. Yes. Yeah, great. And Tanya, yours was a good experience also. Good deal. Okay. Good to hear it. Um, anybody else back here? Uh, Monica, Axel. Okay. All right. 
Fantastic. Well, um, that is that is not uncommon to uh, be in a room this size and realize that about a third have been discipled, about two thirds haven't. And um, so I'm going to keep that in mind. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Tonight we're talking about having a plan for discipleship and what it looks like. I'm going to share with you um, just a simple method we have at Bellevue that you can utilize right away. But before I do, I wanted you to hear from somebody um, who disciples others well and who now have grown kids and have their own grandkids. You can just see there's been a legacy of discipleship in their home, a legacy of spiritual training in their home, a legacy of passing on their faith. And um, there's a uh, a long trail of folks behind Phil Wendy Powers uh, who they've impacted spiritually. And so I've asked them to come tonight and just share with us. And I have you some chairs up front. Can you come on up? Is that good with you all? Yep. Y'all know uh, we're married. <laughs> so uh, this is, a, you know, one of the things I heard years ago is you, you both need to be on the same page. So this is our page. <laughs> oh, I didn't bring the Oh. That, that happens, too, when you get off. Um, this will not be applicable if you're not a believer, uh, if you don't have a, a, uh, a growing desire to be more Christ-like. Okay? So that's kind of where we're starting. So uh, uh, I'm a believer, and, and it is my desire to be more Christ-like. I screw up often even when she doesn't catch me, okay? So that's kind of important, I think. And so I know you are too. Yeah. Okay, well, so um, and when Tim had asked us to kind of, like, you know, we were thinking about our, our kids who are now all in their 30s and they're married and they've got a few grandkids. We need some more, though. Um, but in thinking about uh, how things went, we've had to kind of come back to it as he was saying, the most important thing is that our, our individual relationship with the Lord, and they don't look the same. Um, and for our family, uh, I have to say, I, 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 um, I think our kids saw us individually. They knew we had our Bibles. They knew we would read the Word, but we didn't, it, they would catch us doing it. You know what I mean? Because you also, we keep using that phrase, Eddie Haskell. Y'all old enough to know about Eddie Haskell. They may not know Eddie <laughs> It was a TV character that fooled all the adults because he yeah. was so polite and, you know, so respectful. Two-faced. He was two-faced. Two-faced. You know, okay. but on the other hand, he was, everybody, all the kids knew he was just trouble, trouble, trouble. So you don't want to be the Eddie Haskell in your own home where you've got a posture that looks spiritual, but your kids are like, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think so. Because if you've got kids, they know when you're not, when, when you're faking it, right? I remember uh, my daughter, you could read an entire paragraph in monotone, and there would be one bad word in there. You wouldn't emphasize or whatever, and they could pick it up. I don't know how they do that, but they do that. So that they Not know that we use that kind of language. That was her mother. That was her mother. But but the other thing I think that our kids I, I hope they saw is that they saw our love for one another. Okay. We continue to be best friends and we do a lot together. We we like each other. <laughs> on most, most days. days. Okay. Um so that's so important, but to be real, and that means you screw up, okay? <laughs> I mean, if you haven't screwed up, then you're just not paying attention. You know, thinking about discipleship, I'm hoping that, um, that those of you that have experienced discipleship, and you say you're doing life together, I mean, you have to be able to be real and not always have the right answer or have the right response and be able to, to share that, and that person, other people in your group to say, oh, I did exactly that oh but for the grace of God you yeah. know we got through it and you know we just we just have to accept that we're all in process we're still in process our kids are in their 30s are still in process and I was just telling them that if I could just step in their lives yeah. and tell them a few things they need to fix <laughs> but you know you can't you can't do that so it's kind of freeing to know that God's the one in charge we're just in process we're trying to help our adult kids just like we tried to help them when they were younger and on that topic um, I think it's also very important 
to not have an expectation of what that's going to look like, how God's going to work in your kids. We have three. They're, of course, obviously, their personalities are completely different. But their Doesn't that drive you crazy? <laughs> their spiritual journey was so nuts. I mean, you're like, yeah. I'll, I'll just give you an example. Our oldest one is totally on fire for the Lord. She's married to a pastor. She has her own ministry. She could not handle Bible drill <laughs> at this church. She couldn't handle it. She made herself physically sick. I mean, I, I thought she was sick. She missed school. It was the competition. She could not handle competition. Now, But she knows the Bible <clears throat> much better than any of them. Right, but when I replay that in my mind, we could have said, you are doing it, I don't care. It's good for you, and you have to learn it. But we didn't. I mean, I, I really, it took me a while to figure out what had happened, but we just realized she cannot, she could not handle that particular format. But it wasn't about her spirituality. It was just how she was wired. Now, the other two loved it. They wanted to win. They worked really hard at it. So, you know, go for it. Y'all go. They but, still you know, make they still make fun of her. <laughs> yeah, we were whatever it's called. What did what was state it? superior <laughs> perfect <laughs> or something. Yeah, just, they still bring that up. Yeah, but, she just you know. couldn't so I, I look back and I said, I'm so glad we didn't force what we thought this should look like, that our kids have to do this, they have to do that, they have to participate. Because Bellevue and other churches, there's a lot to offer. But it's just not you know, you can't predict what's gonna be the thing to kind of carry him on. Yeah, and the other thing is, anybody know, recall the how Jesus answered the questions that when he was asked what the greatest commandment was? What was it? What was the answer to that? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, and in the Old Testament it says strength too, right? So holistically, we kind of looked at our kids: body, soul, spirit. Okay, and they were. If you're like me, you'll be stronger in certain areas and you're not very good in other areas. So like our son was very good in the social, <laughs> okay, and, and all this stuff. Okay, but so he, he struggled, right? So we, when we would ding him, that's being nice for punish him. <laughs> we would never punish him. Like we wouldn't prevent him from coming to activities at church that we thought was in their spiritual growth. We wouldn't ground him from that. But by God, we ground him from his social activities with his buddies. Well, and, that, and, and to Phil's point, I, I was actually thinking, I think if I could um, hand out, like if, if I could get parents a piece of paper with advice on it, he came up with this brilliant scheme, and I think it, it is perfect. Uh, and it kind of goes along with, was it David Tripp who said, you know, as parents, we need to, Paul David our, Tripp. That we need to look Maybe at ourselves as ambassadors. We yeah. don't own our kids. We punish them many times because we're embarrassed. They acted out in a store or they ran in the halls at church or something, and that's embarrassment. And that's about us. That's not about them. We're ambassadors. And there's if you can say to yourself, God, this guy's yours, <laughs> and I don't know how you're going to fix him. I'm just doing the best I can to get him to you. But what, what Phil did with our, our son, who's a good kid, I mean, but, you know, he – had his issues, but there was a, a, a crisis when he was like in high school, and Phil said, okay, here's the deal. My job as your dad is to make sure you develop academically, that you uh, develop physically, that you develop spiritually. Your social life is not a concern of mine. So he, so yeah, he had to be grounded. He had to be punished and dig himself because he was, you know, failing something and out of the hole. He goes, so here's the thing. You can go to church. You can do anything at church you want to. I'm not going to um, punish you from your sports teams. I want you to physically develop and do that and respect your coaches and all that. Um, and schoolwork, we got to get that done. He said, but until we get this problem solved, no TV, no movies, no friends over, no Xbox, <laughs> no video games. And, but he gave him a path, He's, you know, because he had to dig out of a hole. He goes, and every Friday, your teachers know I need to see your grades. If you forget to bring him home, that's on you. You've lost your weekend. You've lost your whatever. So he had to earn his ways back. But I thought that was a perfect way to say, we're not shutting you off from life. We want you to develop. We want you to exercise and, you know, do those kinds of things. So I just thought that was a great way to be an ambassador for your kids. And really, we need to be ambassadors with each other. You know, we, 
we need to encourage each other and all these other things. And so we need the social part. You know, we do need some fellowship, but we really need to be challenged and all those other things as well. So discipleship, <laughs> I think one of y'all brought it up, that word discipline <laughs> is in there, right? I mean, nobody just, nobody just wakes up and they're disciplined, right? It's easier for some than others, but it's, it's not easy. So, so you really have to, the, the other thing is perseverance. You want to you stay the course. Look at it like, a, like a, it's a long-term process. Okay? They're not going to go from uh, zero to Billy Graham, right? Or, or pick somebody. Yeah, zero to day. Steve Gaines, <laughs> yes. right? Or, ze- or even to Tim Shelton, <laughs> you know? So it's a process. Okay, and uh, encourage them as you see those little, you know, like the fruits of the Spirit. Remember, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You'll find that uh, as a family, you're up close. They can see your fruit. Okay, they may not. Other people may see your spiritual giftings because they're farther away. But those people up close see your fruit. Okay. So, so they're going to they're gonna know that. They're going to know you're a fraud, and when you lose it, one of those that I've really grown in is self-control. Now, she probably didn't believe that, but I know I have. Without the, you know, God in my life, you know, it, no telling where I'd be. I'm serious. Um, something else that, I mean, of course, we could just go on forever, so Tim, you, yeah. you have to bring a bell. But um, in terms of not only parenting, but in our life group, in our church, uh, many of you have experienced this. I mean, we want the fellowship of church. We want to be one with the believers, but we're a hot mess. And huh. people hurt you. Deep, deep hurts come from within the body because our expectations are completely over there. I mean, they're somewhere else. And it's re- with your kids, it's really hard to help them through a hurt from a well-meaning. I mean, it's one thing if it's a friend, but if it's a teacher, if it's a coach, somebody who's a spiritual authority of them over them in that time of life, it is really hard. And I'll confess to you, there was a couple of instances that I said, we are leading that church. We are, I, I don't know who to need, like, take a breath. <laughs> take a breath. But, um, and even in our own life group, you know, there are, are families and couples, and we've, we've been asked, or, you know, with broken hearts, people who've been hurt. And all I can, we can say to them is, you know, I get it, I get it, I get it. If God moves you somewhere else, we respect that and honor that. But if you'll let us help you and be here with you, you don't have to be around that person that hurt you for a while, you know, whatever it is, you, but you have to know no matter where you go, you're going to get hurt. People are going to disappoint you. And the sooner we can come up with the, with the knowledge that everybody's in process. And there are some people who are difficult that love the Lord, who are going to be difficult the rest of their born days. In fact, I'll tell you a story. There's a lady that used to be here. She never married. She was a school teacher, and she was a task master. And y'all called her? <laughs> Sarge. <laughs> From the time he was a kid, this lady, she was, well, I shouldn't say that because they might know who she is. But anyway, probably- Sarge. And so she was just kind of a, abrasive, you know, and difficult with people, but she loved the Lord. She was here all the time. She was serving, and, you know, people would have trouble with her. But we watched her. They put her in the, or she went into the newborn nursery. Mm. Well, no, that's, you know, she's single. What does she know? I'm telling you what. She could make any baby stop crying. She could. She took care of babies like nobody I've ever known. We helped in the nursery. We had had three. And she's telling me what to do. And I'm going, yes, ma'am. Because she, you know, she just had that place. And it was really a lesson to me that, you know, God really does use people. You know, in ways that we can never understand, and it's just, yeah, I'm sure, you know, they're, like I say, difficult people and hurtful people, and yeah. it's really hard, but that's where we just kind of need to, to help each other get through it, because it's just going to happen. It yeah. just is. One of the things we did, I actually forgot about this, is when our kids were young, we jumped out in front, and we, we started uh, teaching third grade, okay, before our oldest, she was probably in the first grade. So we taught a couple of years, and then she came through our class, and then our son came through our class, and then our youngest daughter came through our class. So we taught third grade for about 10 years, okay? 
So when we got when they got up on Sunday morning, they didn't want to go to church at eight o'clock. At eight o'clock, the the answer was, "Well, I'm we sorry, have we have to go teach, right?" So there was a kind of a built-in accountability there uh, that they got. So th- I know that helped, you know, because you, you know I'm telling you, the devil. Eight o'clock on Sunday morning is like always five a.m. during the week. I don't know why it's like that, but it, it is. It's crazy. I don't have, but anyway. So so we did that. So that really helped facilitate our whole interaction at church. So because I still remember when I was a kid, you go into church service and you think it's go, it lasts for days, right? I mean, especially if, you know, you're, if, I mean, a little boy, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to go outside and do all kinds of stuff. So, so we would, you, you, you'd spend time, okay, here's how I get When we pray, when they stand up, we stand up. We sing with us, yeah. And, and when we sing, we sing. And then when we pray, we bow our head and we pray. And then, you know, when he starts teaching, then, you know, you can do your, your little book. Well, remember, now what? Bellevue has children's Oh, yeah, I know. Right? I mean, yeah, our that's... kids had to start and y'all had to start coming at 4, in the service at 4. And that was a challenge. Yeah, but especially we, the one we, of them. we didn't want them to hate it. And that's a, you know, you don't want your kids to hate it. Yeah. So you do whatever you can to kind of make it palatable, age-appropriate, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we done it whole Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that helped a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, but, donut, donut hole. But, but now I imagine it's just even, it's also a hard transition because children's church is just so big yeah. and so energetic. And so I imagine that transition is hard. So I pray for y'all that that'll be, <laughs> you know, how do you get everybody to settle down to sit quietly? But we, we could go service. on and probably talk longer. But if you ever want to read a parenting book, best parenting book I've ever read, and I actually taught in our class three or four years, is by, by Paul David Tripp. And it's called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles. And it's an awesome book. Yeah, if um, we could have some do-overs yeah, with that book, we would. Well, we would here's the thing. We, yeah, we could go back and redo things, right? But we know that all things work together for good, you know, to those who love him or are called back. So we rest in that. So I'm telling you, giving God, laying that on God is very freeing. Okay, so I don't know, Tim. That's we could keep going, but if, if there, you want to question, questions. all right. Um, you go through a lot of really busy people in the room. Yeah. yeah. A lot of busy moms and dads. A lot going on, uh, and they may even feel like that they're blown in, don't have time to spend with their kids. Um, uh, what, how would you encourage? I know what you know now. How would you encourage them on time with their kids, that spiritual training, and how just to put it? Well. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let her go in a minute, but I'll be I'll be very honest. When our kid, we were very busy. When I, I mean, I mean, kids grow up and then they think they have this life of their own. You know, they want to go do things, right? So, anyway, so um, I mean, I it was it was very difficult. Okay, but so when I look at Bellevue and all they have to offer kids, which is unbelievable. I mean, you can't find, you, I don't care where you go, you're not going to find anything any better. But if you do it all, you're going to kill yourself. Okay? Yeah. So we would pick and choose. We didn't do everything. We had a, a couple of our kids loved D-Now, which is now called, I think, Catalyst, right? Well, we had one that didn't like it. At all. At all. Go figure. Okay? So we would pick things to do. We wouldn't, you know, we'd be selective. I also think that there's a, a misconception, in a way, of what time with your kids looks like. You know, that we're, we're, we're kind of caught up in the words of, like, intentional and, like, big moments and really heart-to-heart stuff. And I think that's, um, not, that's doing that time, that investing in your kids, that for idea, a disservice. Because just doing the stuff, the mundane, there's a lot of joy in the mundane. If you, if you let yourself go there. And just, you know, it doesn't have to be attention, attention, but kind of just being there, being around. You know, when everybody comes in, there's a lot happening. Um, that, that calm, that doesn't mean um, 
I mean, a stri no, no strife is huge as opposed to being quiet. We're not quiet. I mean, my house is always blah, blah, blah. But it was calm. You know, there was no strife to it. So I do think there's a way to, you, you do kind of, pa like ships passing in the night, and, and that's just going to be okay. There's seasons that it's just that way. And it's okay. So, so I, yeah, so we would encourage you to be selective. Okay, but that means puts everything on the table. You know, it's a priority thing, right? I heard somewhere, I don't know who said this, but there's everybody has 24 hours in a day, right? <laughs> I don't know. So one thing we would do with the kids is as we're driving around, we would play a game. Called, we called it the names of God, okay? And so our kids were, well, Caroline was the oldest, and Philip, and then Adeline. Adeline was five years younger than the oldest. So we play the names of God. You had to come up with a different name, right? And then you go until you lose. Well, with Adeline, we let her, she only knew one, Lion of Judah. Lion of Judah, Lion of Judah. So we'd let her say that every time, right? And keep going. So you, you just be creative with that kind of stuff. With every, yeah, you just take now, snippets of time. That's not a, dis, dis, uh, that's not a discipling curriculum, right? But you are discipling them, right? All right, now you had the second question. Huh? Oh, I did. Uh, oh. oh, I'm sorry. Okay, good. Thank you all. Thank you so much. All right. Um, it, this Thank is, you. Our church has schooled couples like children who are willing and available and have gone to run the race. And so, so like, can you help me thank Phil and Linda? And I'm interested in those of you that have actually been discipled because I, I don't know that I can actually say that I was, but I have participated as a like a leader of a discipleship group, and I get Karen Lynn and I'm like, I'm not done it, I just, but oh well, I'll get us through it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for being honest and transparent with us because I, I know there are three kids and they've got, the Lord's been gracious. You would give the Lord all the credit. I know you would. Oh, yes, um, the grace of God. <laughs> the grace of God. That's exactly right. I love it. Well, so we're talking about a plan for discipleship, and they've just kind of shared with us what it looked like in their homes. And for us at Bellevue, discipleship should be on top of our, our minds because it's part of our mission. It's part of who we are as a church. You know, these two top points come from the Great Commandment. These come from the Great Commission, and we'll kind of look at that quickly. This is out of Matthew 28. Can, can you all read this with me? Can we read off the screen together? Are you ready? Here we go. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's right. So what are, some what are some aspects of discipleship that you see in here? What are some things that we see? It says go, go, right? And for us, they've been given to us. If we're going to disciple our kids, they're there already with us. Uh, go and then do what with them? What else is, is aspects of discipleship? What is it? Baptize. Exactly. Baptizing them. So that's part of salvation, right? Helping them come to know the Lord, getting them baptized, letting them go public, that they're believers now. Uh, what else is, is mentioning in here? Teaching. teaching them. That's right. Teaching them to do what? Obey. To obey everything God commanded. Okay, so every, just, just teaching them the ways of the Lord. You're teaching them the names of God and how to live for the Lord. And even in the mundane, you know, what happens when something bad happens? How does mom react to these things? And just teaching them as we go about the ways of the Lord and how to react. Now, I'm going to take you back to a text last week that we said biblically, this is the best teaching biblically specific to parenting, and it's back in Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to ask us to read it uh, because we're going to look at one thing in here one more time. Can we go together on this? Ready? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up. Exactly right. So we looked at this last week. I want to do something. I want to put these two together and ask you a question. So interesting, in Deuteronomy, 
This is spoken by Moses at the 40th chapter, uh, I'm sorry, at the 40th year of their wandering. He's about to turn everything over to Joshua. So in his final words, he says this. Well, this is where Jesus is about to send to heaven. So in his final words, he says this. So what same mandate is found in both those verses? It's to teach. Exactly right. It's to teach. So if we narrow into man, a plan for discipleship for my kids, it's got to involve what? It's got to involve teaching, right? Um, I say that to say that, that there's not been a better year in the 20 years I've been here at Bellevue for us as parents to teach our kids biblical truth. Um, this year is the best opportunity to thrive as the primary disciple maker in your kids' lives. And it's really for this reason. Can anybody tell me a little bit about this? Can anybody tell me what's going on right now with this? Anybody know a little bit about it? Every level of life group in the church, all the way from fed babies mm -hmm. to senior adults, are all, they are all learning the same curriculum, stylized slightly for each age group, but uh, the same basic curriculum every single week. That's exactly right. So at Bellevue, if you're part of a life group at Bellevue, bed babies and senior adults, every week we're teaching the same biblical story being taught all the way top to bottom. How would that help you as a parent disciple your kids and teach them biblical truth? How would that help you? Okay, got it. Because you're, you're asking... You're asking questions to them, all right, that they've learned, and you've learned the same what? You've learned the same lesson, right? You know the, you know the answers in a sense because you just learned that lesson in your life group, right? Um, were you going to say something to Janelle on that? Absolutely. So uh, you want to repeat back real quick what you just said? No, I didn't hear what you said. So what I'm saying is, and so we're, as Kyle said, we're teaching the same lessons of, this, of the big stories of the Bible where God showed up, where he showed out, where he spoke up, where he provided, protected, guided his people. And that same story, like this past week, was about, the, was about Jacob and Joseph. And there was some dysfunction in that family about family relationships. Well, our first graders learned about that. All the way through, our senior adults learned about that. So what we're saying is that helps us teach biblical truth in our homes because we're in our life group. We're learning it, and we can teach our kids, and they've learned it, so we can all discuss it because we've all learned it from a, from a life group we've been a part of, which we've not done that in the 20 years I've been here. So it's really unique that this is, that this is an opportunity we have. Now, for you as families, as, as dads and moms, you can go to this webpage, bobo.org forward slash family. You can see the layout of the entire year. You can download the entire year. It's going to give you the date. Um, the story it's going to be taught, the text we're coming from, and the verse that everybody's memorizing. That's available for you. You can go right now and look at all the way through the entire year 2023. It's already listed on there. On the, and this is where you find it. If you go to the .org forward slash family, download our Bible reading plan, that's where it is. Okay, so you know where we're going. And this is what's called the ABC, Stories ABCs. Every week it's got it on there. Uh, you can click on the week that's upcoming, or the week that we just learned about, and so we'll walk through ABCs. A talks about asking interactive questions. We're going to give you three age-appropriate questions to ask your kids each week based off that lesson. So there was three questions right now on the webpage right now about um, family relationships and dysfunction in the family. Um, and then B stands for that you can ask your kids. B stands for bringing. It's for you as the parent to bring what you learned. So I sat in Phil's class this past Sunday and listened to Phil teach um, and got to hear him teach um, this same lesson. And so I'm able to then take back to my family what I learned in Phil's lesson and discuss that. And bring, so you can bring your understanding to the table. And C stands for create. We've written uh, activities, little fun activities you can do around the kitchen table to help drive the teaching home that you learned that week. Um, this is what it kind of looks like. So this is this week. If you were to download this on the Stories ABCs, you'd see February 19th. That's this coming Sunday. We'll be in Genesis 41, 37 through 57. So if you want to look ahead or have your kids read ahead, that's what you'll be studying this week. And here's the questions that after, after Sunday, when your kids go to class, you go to class, these are the questions you can ask. They're simple questions. In your own words, tell me what happened to Joseph in Egypt. What happened to Joseph? 
Um, if you were Joseph, how would you respond to your brothers when they showed up needing food? They, these are the same brothers that threw you in a pit, okay, that sold you to Midianites, and they sold you off to Egypt. Now, how, how would, now they're showing up asking you for food. What would you have done? Um, the Bible says God was with Joseph doing everything he experienced in Egypt. How can we know that God is with us today? It's just some great questions to ask your kids. Um, then you can share what you learned, and there's a fun little experience you can have with them about forgiveness. How do you forgive your brothers, okay, or your sister? It's going to be wrong. It's a great little activity they can do. you can do around your kitchen table. Um, so it's all there ready for you, and it's written based off every week. A great tour of discipleship. Here's kind of the main thing we're trying to do. Um, what our desire is to help parents connect with what happens in their home with what happened at their church. So we want this church, as Phil and Wendy mentioned the church multiple times, we want this church to be a resource for you. Um, you know, we, you, you're the primary disciple maker, we, but we want to resource you. And so what happens at church when you bring your kids here, bring your family here, we want that to really help you in your home, um, help you continue to pass on your faith there. And my favorite word picture of this, and we just think this, we just think that what the stories of the Bible is just an alley-oop for you. We're just kind of tossing the ball up towards the left side of the backboard for you to come in doing the ABCs and just slam dunk biblical truth in your home and really score passing on your faith. Uh, that key word, you know, Moses and Jesus both was teach. It's so what you've got is you've got a chance now to teach this truth. And I would just quickly tell you how important you are to us as members of our church this whole concept came from a mom, young mom, who was sitting at a table just like this, room just like this. After one of our Fight for Your Family classes, I just threw out, we're going to have a brainstorm session. Anybody wants to show up? One mom showed up. There was about three moms who showed up, and we met at the outside playground where the kids played, and we started talking about how Fight for Your Family could better resource families. Well, as we were talking about it, she just kind of dropped her head and started drawing. Well, I thought she just tuned me out. And I thought she was kind of ghosting me. She's kind of done with my questions. When she got through drawing, she said, if you really want to help families, here's what you do. This is the drawing that she drew. This is the exact drawing that she drew. She said, okay, we're doing everything you ask us to do. We're here. They weren't being selective. They were being coming to everything. But wonderful family. And she said, here's the problem. We're involved in all these things. And the problem is we're getting all these emails. The problem is we're getting so many messages during the week that we're overwhelmed. You know, we can't even keep up with all that our kids are learning. They're learning so many different things we just can't. She said, if you want to help us, why don't you narrow the number of messages so we can really focus on one main topic and really go deep on that one. So we came back and we said, you know what? She's exactly right. And we took this. This went all the way up to the top of leadership in our church. This picture did of here's what's happening to young families in our church. We're overwhelming them. And next-gen's not talking to adults. Adults isn't talking to children. Children's not talking to wreck. And we're just doing, in Wednesday night, midweek, we're not talking. So that's when we came back, and that's when Stories of the Bible was birthed, of saying, hey, let's narrow the families and help them have one thing that they're learning, that their kids are learning, so that at home they can teach one thing throughout the week. So we think that like no other time, this is the best plan for discipleship that our church can offer is a narrowed look um, at what biblical truth is across the church. And we're trying to give it to you in a format that's not only what you can read and reread at home, but also questions you can ask, you're sharing, and also you can do something tactile or activity-based in your home. Any, any question on this? Any question on stories ABCs or the stories what we're doing through the Bible this year? I want to share with you, so uh, about a year and a half ago, we brought in uh, Scott McConnell. Uh, Scott was the, is the Executive Director of Research at Lifeway. Uh, he came in to do what we called Game Changer. Was anybody there? That was in a fellowship hall in September. Yeah, Rachel, do you all remember that? Uh, he came in and he shared a lot of research on passing on your faith to your kids. And it came out of a book they wrote called Nothing Less from Lifeway, just really earth-shattering stuff and really directed a lot of things we're trying to do here. I just want to narrow to one truth he shared with us. He said there's five spiritual uh, health influences, but the number one thing that has the biggest impact, if you want your child to stay in the faith, the silver bullet, the game changer, the one thing you can do 
is for your child to regularly read their Bible while growing up. It's not that dad reads the Bible, not that dad, you know, pulls up the family podium and stands up and preaches the kids. It's not that mom always does the devotions. It's that the kids, those are all good things, but for your child to take their Bible and read their Bible while growing up was the thing. As a matter of fact, he said the number one predictor of a spiritually healthy young adult, so someone in their 20s, is if that child read their Bible while growing up. There was a number two, number three, four, and five, and it dealt with Christian music, it dealt with serving in the church, it dealt with family relationships, a loving family, a loving home. But number one was reading their Bible. And what Stories of the Bible has done is given, it's given you, if you go back to that reading plan, you can see the entire year of the text you can look at. And so what I'd recommend in your homes on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, uh, after you've all heard the same stories, to pull the Bible back out and say tonight at dinner time. We're just going to get back out Genesis 41. Let's take turns reading 37 through 57. You mentioned getting in the car and ride around town. You just pass that Bible around while you're eating. Hey, you read the first five verses, you're the next five, the next five, and you read through the text. And right there, they're having a chance to read the Bible. You read the Bible with them. Then you're, answering, then you're asking those questions and discussing as the Bible goes around the table. And we've given you questions, but the Lord's put the Holy Spirit in you too. And so you could take our questions and put them aside and ask your own questions if you want. It's just the idea of they've heard the story in their life group. You've heard the story in your life group, and now you're reading the stories of family and discussing it. And man, the Lord can take over when that happens. Some really cool things can happen. Just know it's there for you, and you can look at it and go continue to go throughout, um, throughout the week talking about it and keeping it going. Um, we're hoping this will make, help you become disciple makers in your home. Now let me close. Give me about seven more minutes. And let's close with kind of when and how. Because the Bible speaks to both. Okay, when and how. Let's look at this real quick. Um, Deuteronomy 5, um, Deuteronomy 6, I'm sorry, going back. He says, teach these diligently to your home when, to your kids, when you do what? When you sit in your house, right? When you sit in your house. This is when you can teach the Bible. Let me just give you some fun ways to do it. Um, Meal times is one of my favorite times of the week. It's the one time when your kids are little that you're all together and you're all around the table. And I've always had to remind boys, remind my boys, slow down, you know, because boys can eat fast. They can eat before you're almost even done praying. They're done eating. So just slow them down. Meal time's a great time to talk about the Lord and to walk through your ABCs, walk through what you've learned. Family worship. Is another time. Anybody here have some type of family worship where once a week maybe you gather? Rachel, I've done something like that in your home. Still doing it. What's it look like for y'all, Rachel? What's that look like? Um, well, my kids are like all for show. So um, we've gone right now to Rika, and there's um, Sam and Sam has something. I forget what they call it. Uh, I think it's worship of the word. Mm hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so they pick something in the morning, you know, either while they're waiting for breakfast or, um, you know, while they're waiting for me to get homeschool started or whatever. Good. And it's Right Now Media you put off there. Yep, exactly right. Which is free to y'all. It's called Right Now Media. You go to bellv.org forward slash right now media. And there's all types of videos and things you can watch. And you can use it to play worship music with your kids and worship together. Love it. Uh, family movies together. Uh, you might want to pick a movie that's got a theme you want to emphasize. For example, um, you know, what, what Phil just taught on this past Sunday was about dysfunction in a family and, and how mis brothers mistreated another brother. Well, there might be a movie out that's a a G movie or a movie that you feel good with kids watching. Chuck, you know, that, 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 what's that one? What'd you say? Joseph. Joseph, yeah, the movie Joseph. Okay, exactly right. There's a movie Joseph, and it might be on Right Now Media. You might be able to pull it up on Netflix and find that movie and watch it together or watch a movie that has that theme of mistreatment and forgiveness. How do you handle that? Then you could talk about that after the movie's over. Um, there might be a way that you, you may have this weekly intentional <coughs> gathering of the household where you just kind of discuss things in the family. Those are ways when you sit in your home. There's another one that says when you, when you walk by your way. Now, we don't do a lot of walking anymore, do we? We do driving, right? We drive around. But just somebody as you drive. Um, and they shared one feeling when you did. Just asking questions, specific questions as they're driving. You've got some captive audience as, they're driving, as you're driving them around, you know, about their time with the Lord that day, about their friends, about their day. You can play Christian music. You, I'm shocked my 10-year-old who just starts singing a song. Who just starts singing and it's a Christian song, and I'm thinking, where's he heard that? And um, when he rides around with my wife, she lets Caleb on all the time, 
and he picks them up from Caleb and that type thing. Um, sing along as you're, as you're riding with them. Tell them about your faith. It's one of the best things to do. Tell them about your faith. Maybe, maybe you took a phone call as you're driving, got off the phone, and, you, and your son or your daughter says, what was that about? And you can be real with them. Like you mentioned, you know, dad just got some bad news, you know, or dad's got to deal with the problem. And I'm going to pray and ask the Lord what to do about this, you know. I'm going to really seek the Lord. Let them know. Let them into your life a little bit of how you deal with things. Um, games you can play like you all mentioned when you're in the car. But also another win is when you lie down. The Bible talks about when you lie down. Now, what we know that that refers to is bedtime, right? Um, and if you're like me, I'm exhausted at bedtime. Um, you might be exhausted as well. Um, but my wife's not. Susan's not. She wakes up. She's a night owl. And she's had some of the best time with our sons at night. Um, laying down with them, asking them questions in bed, you know, getting them to talk when the lights are out. It's been great. We do pray. We try to pray with all our boys before we go to bed at night. At nighttime, still do that right now. It's a great time for personal questions that are kind of winding down. Um, and talk with them about trusting God for protection, especially if you've got a child that's scared at night or scared of the lights going turned off. And just all kinds of great prayers about trusting the Lord and about Him protecting us. Um, on the drive over, my son, there's been a lot in the news lately, right? And my son said, Dad, do you, do you feel safe living in Memphis? We had a great conversation about, um, buddy, I said, I, I, the, the reason I feel safe is because I've trusted in the Lord and I pray and ask Him to protect us. I said, because you're not really safe anywhere outside the Lord's protection. And um, So just fun things you do when you lie down. The, other, the last win is when you rise up, okay? And Rachel shared what happens in their home in the morning. This is the morning time. And wake them up by playing, singing praise songs and Encourage us to spend time with the Lord in the morning. I've got some buddies who say, no Bible, no breakfast. I'm not only eating breakfast, I'll do my Bible. So maybe you start with your son and your daughter. Um, let them see you read your Bible and praying, or have your journal out the thing that you read your journal. Um, you know, the power of a touch is so powerful. You know, before they leave you on the school bus or head out to school, whatever it might be, just to touch them and just say, you know, Mom loves you and so does the Lord, or Dad loves you and so does Jesus. Just a touch, it's so powerful. Remind them how much that God loves them. So this little bit about the when. The Lord is specific about when we are to pass on our faith. He's so good to give us these ideas. Now, let me just now share with you, we'll close with this, just a few of kind of the hows. Um, let's go back to this chart we talked about earlier on the zero to six-year-old. Here's some things that you can use with this specific age group if you have kids in that age range. Um, they love stories. They love games songs, memorization, and they love activities. So if you've got a kid in those range, age ranges, then think about the stories, think about you know, songs you can do, uh, activities, um, all that type stuff. They love more of that playful time with mom and dad. It's amazing how much they'll learn through that. Now, if you have the middle-aged kids, 7 to 12-year-olds, um, they're more about discussion, you know, about what and why of our beliefs, um, helping them think on their own, and asking them questions, engaging them, valuing them that they're growing up and they're learning things. They can answer questions on their own. Um, so you may begin to ask them, as they, you know, Jesus, people ask him questions. Oftentimes he did what? He asked a question back. And it's a great way to teach. And so there's a level, they're the age now where you can begin asking them questions back. What, what do you think about that? How, how would you have responded? What would you have done with that phone call if you'd just gotten that call that daddy just got? It's so a great time to ask them questions and get more into the discussion zone uh, with them. That's a great way of teaching, by the way. Just questions are a great method of teaching, is asking questions and hearing their answers and redirecting as needed. And then for the 13 to 18-year-olds in the coaching, um, you know, helping them, allowing them to make mistakes and learning from it. I would tell you that, that, that Philip Powers, the way that, that Phil handled that, you know, there's the mistakes were made, um, as all of our kids will. Um, you know, Phil stepped in and, and, and put some things in place for him to learn from those. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you continue growing, but we're going to pull back on some of the social things until you've learned some lessons here. Um, what in the end of the world? He didn't stop all of life for Philip. Um, life went on, but boy, we're going to make sure he's learning from these things. Also, this is a time of encouragement, motivation, you know, challenge, advising, helping them wrestle through some tough issues. They're going to, they're going to face increasingly tough issues as our culture continues to get darker and darker. So the imprint phase back here, you know, looks like you just like this. That impression phase, maybe more of you guide and walk on beside them. This coaching is kind of from the sidelines, you know. Um, almost, you know, them coming over to 
ask you things when they come over to ask you. You know, you're not necessarily right here in front of them as much anymore at 13 through 18. So these are the ways just somehow to pass on your faith as we go. Any questions on these, on these three we talked through? Okay, let me say this. I, I love where y'all are because one of the survey questions you answered for me before we started the series was this one. Um, I currently have a good plan, a good plan for passing on my faith. And of all the groups that surveyed, you guys said, we're kind of in the middle on this. So um, in a sense, that man, we, we've, got some, we've got some ways to go here to really shore some things up. And I just want to encourage you that I believe that the plan for discipleship this year, if you're looking for one plan, like, man, just, Tim, make this really simple. Um, I think it's this. It's what we're doing in our home. And I just want to encourage you, this is all year long. Uh, but if Phil teaches a, a married 30s and 40s class, you're teaching this all year, right? Um, I teach a 40s class. I'm teaching it all year, 20s and 30s. So you, you can bank on this. If, no matter what, what your child's age is, your student's age is, or you, your age is, you got this to, back, to lean on all year. Um, and I think it's going to be great for us. Well, that's what I've got. I just want to tell you thank you. Let me share with you about next week quickly. Next week, talking about having a plan for time together. Uh, we talk about being busy. What's it look like? How do we carve out time for relationship, time for closeness? What do we do so that our kids want to stay close to us throughout our lives? Um, Phil and Wendy have got a great relationship with their three adult uh, children. They have full access to their grandchildren. That doesn't just happen. Um, and there's things that can be done so that now uh, to build rhythms in and, and things in place so that throughout your lifetime you'll have a close relationship and time together with your family. So we'll talk about that next week. We'll hear some folks that have done it well next week as well. So thanks so much. Um, Wendy, mm -hmm. mostly ladies in the room tonight, would you mind to close us in prayer and pray us out? Thank you. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks for being here.